Uh, this guy is called the Standing Streamer. Wrestling with regret, and you're watching putting you over. So that'd be funny. And then we have Jimmy Jacobs coming on about 10:15. He is is uh, an interesting cat as well. 12 year vet, most notably Ring of Honor. Uh, now wrote for WWE. Uh, now he's an Impact on-screen character uh he does the after show after the impact show on twitch i forget what it's called though but he'll tell us so that'd be good and uh man he had some stuff to say too about depression and dealing with stuff like that that like blew my mind today when i heard it because i'm like wow that's all you have to do that's all you have to do is change some wording so that's what it, that's what it'll be guests will come in at 9 30 we'll try and talk a little wrestling either in between before or after but that's that's the <clears throat> that's the gimmick, brother. I'm gonna get him the ring. Yeah, I've been on. Oh, he's on. Why don't I see him? I just noticed that there's two participants. I was just gonna message him and be like, "Hey, pop in anytime." Yeah, I'm here. Do I not have it on gallery view? You know what, Jimmy? I'm not very professional. Give me one second. I don't think he doesn't have his audio or his video on. That's why you don't see him. Does he want to do video or no? I can do video. Hold on. Let me, let me put on a shirt. Well, this is a wrestling show. Like we had just had the Von Erichs on and they didn't have shirts on. Oh, what's up, sir? What's going on, dude? Oh yeah. No, that's not the right one. That's the right one. It's it's going well. Uh, we our our first guest uh, didn't didn't show up, but maybe you know we were saying that happens sometimes. You know things things especially in today's day and age things come up, and that's uh, all right. But uh, but you're here, and uh, you're looking phenomenal, and uh, I, I I'm honored to have you on. Uh, we could go through your resume. You know I mean you, you you've a veteran. Uh, I know you from Ring of Honor, uh, ten plus years, maybe twelve plus years. Tag team champions over there. Did you always 
grow up a wrestling fan? Was it big in your household? Did you always want to be a wrestler? Yeah, so I grew up, uh, you know, I have one older brother, and he really liked wrestling. And I guess when you're a younger brother, you just like what your older brother likes. Yeah. And so uh, I got into wrestling. My first wrestling memory is of Mr. Perfect uh, running a perfect game of pool. So <laughs> Those vignettes. Was, yeah. I think that was like 89. Yeah. Uh, yep. the, the first live event I went to was 91, headlined by Warrior and Slaughter in a, in a steel cage. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted to be a wrestler from, from a pretty young age. And I got into wrestling at a pretty young age. You know, it's, uh, I yeah. started when I was 15, 15 years yeah. old. Yeah. Yep. And so it's been 21 years now and uh, still doing it. Still doing it. What, when, so uh, I knew you got in at a, a young age at 15. What did uh, your, your, your parent? Well, when was that aha moment? When you're like, this is what I want to do. And what did your parent, what was their reaction? Uh, my parents were not very supportive of the idea of me being a professional wrestler, especially at such a young age. Yeah. I just sort of tagged along with my, my older brother. He yeah. wanted to be a wrestler and he found a school in Grand Rapids, Michigan back in 98. And uh, I, I went to the school the first day with him to check it out. And I just sort of tagged along with him and would do whatever odd jobs I could of, you know, setting up chairs and setting up the ring. And I, you know, bring my video camera and record the show. And I would like make these like rudimentary websites for the wrestlers on Angel Fire. Angel and, Fire, oh my God. Yeah. And then there was an opportunity for me to referee on a show because the other referee was uh, you know, on vacation. And so I did that and that started me, you know, refereeing on shows and which led to me wrestling on shows. and. Here I am. Yeah, we get, I've gotten that a lot with, um, you know, independent wrestlers and, and people that, especially started young, do whatever it takes, be around the guys, set up the ring, take down the ring, rap, um, all that stuff. Uh, somebody else started out really young at 15, too. I can't remember. We just had him on, but, um, so you, you, you start out, you, you, you're following in your older brother's footsteps. Yeah. Well, did anything come of him? Uh, he became a, a uh, math professor. He got his PhD uh, from Dartmouth University in, nice. in mathematics, and he, so yeah, he didn't want he, to. Yeah, he, he was he was pretty. He was a pretty uh, talented performer. Um, more talented than me in a lot of ways. Certainly more athletic, and he was starting to sort of make his his rounds in in independence and like you know. 2000-ish. Uh, there's a short picture of him on, on CM Punk's WWE DVD with him and Punk like locked up in the corner back oh. when they used to work together in you know, like 2000. Uh, but yeah, then uh, academia became his pursuit. And uh, you know, the irony of it all was that I was a, a, a smart young child and my brother was a wild, rambunctious child who just wanted nothing more to be a pro wrestler. And he ended up being the math professor, and I ended up being the pro wrestler. So uh, yeah. life is full of ironies. Yeah, that's interesting. We were, we're our first guest that was supposed to come on about nine thirty. Uh, Kenny Johnson. He does a bunch of wrestling documentaries, and uh, it's interesting because that would be a nice documentary to learn about you and your brother. How he was rambunctious, wanted nothing more than to be in the ring, and now uh, he's doing great work, teaching professor. All that fun stuff. That would that would be interesting. It would have been a great good transition. Um, 
but as I said, I first stumbled upon you on, uh, I think it was Ring of Honor. I think it was, uh, oh gosh, you were doing Age Age of the Fall with Seth uh, Tyler Black then Seth Rollins now Age of the Fall then. But I mean, you you did a lot of great classic angles. Uh, stables, a lot of great stuff in Ring of Honor. What's the the biggest thing that you took away from your Ring of Honor uh, tenure? Uh, I mean, it was such a, a a unique time in my life, and I think a unique time in in the business. Yeah. Just in that, I don't think we'll ever have a a platform like that with dedicated fans, with also the freedom that we had. We didn't have to answer to anybody. There was no. TVs, there's no sponsors, there's nothing like that to answer to. So we had a ton of creative freedom and a large platform, which is two things that you don't uh, really see a, a whole lot. There's always different masters to serve as you get higher up in uh, you know, a, a bigger platform. And so th- my, my time there was, was um, you know, it was about 10 years. And, you know, I started when I was 19 with the company. And it was a lot of ups and downs. It was very um, emotional for me at the time because I was so dedicated to being this professional wrestler that, you know, when you have that amount of, you know, let's say passion for something, oftentimes you can get your emotional strings pulled. And so it was, it was a lot of ups and downs and um, a, a lot of stuff I'm proud of, a lot of cool stuff I look back on and go, oh man, that was cool, we got to do that. Uh, and there's a part of me that goes, never again. Never again would I um, be so easily dragged around yeah. by something external. You know, where, you're, where it's like life and death if if you don't get this angle or get this push or get this match and how you're being presented and all that sort of stuff. Great for my 20s. Uh, would never trade the peace of mind I have now uh, that I now have in my 30s. Um, in, in, uh, I want to get back to the wrestling, but you said peace of mind. So I'm going to veer off for a little bit. I was doing my research on you and, um, I, I heard you in some other podcasts and you you said some things, uh, peace of mind, uh, getting in touch with yourself that related so well with me. And I was just so blown away. Um, you talked about basically changing the definition of depression and how that, uh, basically turned your life around. Unless, I mean, if I'm speaking online, let me know. But you changed the definition of depression. Can you let us in on that a little bit? Well, yeah. So that happened about uh, four or five months ago, yeah. you know, as this, this thing they're calling COVID-19 yeah. started happening. And, you know, I moved to Phoenix where I don't know anybody, like right when it happened in the middle of March. Oh. And so I had this opportunity to either collapse into myself or to work on myself. And one of the things that... Uh, you know, came into my into my life was Wim Hof method. Wim Hof is this 61 year old badass from Holland that holds the Guinness Book of World Records for being under ice water for the longest, and he's uh, he's went to the top of um, uh, what's Mount Everest? Mount Everest. Yeah, Mount Everest, just wearing nothing but shorts and you know no shoes on. He's a real badass. He's got this breathing technique. And, you know, in, in the interest of working in my health, I started doing this breathing technique. Uh, and it 
the effects it started to have, just the, even the acute, the acute effects of, of what happens when you do it, uh, made me start to realize that I don't really think about my body. Yeah. That I'm you know, completely ignorant how my body, mind, soul complex works. And so as I started to learn more about that, and I've been on this sort of spiritual journey for the past three years, mm -hmm. but as I started to uh, uh, connect more with my body, I started to look at this thing that I had called depression for the past, you know, I don't know how long that I've, I've, I've had depression, let's right. say, quote, unquote, uh, but certainly I'd been on antidepressants for the past 10 years. And then stopping and looking at that and going, what is this thing called depression? What is this thing I'm labeling depression? And I changed the story. And we have the ability to do that. We, our, our lives, what we're experiencing in our lives is a point of view. It's a perspective. It's actually not reality as such. It is a, is it a, it's a perspective and a point of view. So I can take a perspective and say, I'm depressed, which is the perspective I took for 10 years. And then I can change that, that, that perspective with the same set of facts and say, instead of I am depressed, which is just by saying that yeah. you identify as depression, I am depressed. That is, that is what I am. I am depressed. But if you change that, that language and go, sometimes I experience low energy which is generally how depression sort of manifested for me. You know, low, low energy, low motivation, just, you know, I used to spend 22 hours a day in bed. And, and so going, okay, so sometimes I experience low energy, which means that all I have to do is tap into the energy of this universe that's already available. Like we, we live in a, in a universe of nothing but energy vibrating different frequencies. Yeah. And, and so you go, okay, how do I tap into this energy that's already here, that's already in my body, that's already, you know, in my chakras, all this sort of thing. And, and going on that journey and getting off antidepressants was a uh, completely transformative one. I feel better now than I ever have in my life. And some day, you know, some days I, uh, every once in a while, yeah, I, I, I have a little bit of low energy. And I go, okay, I know where I can get that energy from. I know how I can move my body. I know I, how I can meditate. I know how I can breathe to, to get, gain access to that energy. And you start to realize that, you know, these stories that we hold on to, the story of depression, it's a story where, the, where I'm a, a victim from the external world. Like there's something and it's happening to yeah. me and there's nothing I can do about it. And we, in our society today, we hold so tightly to some of those stories sometimes. You go, well, these external forces, they just got me where I can't do anything about it. You go, no. And there's a long time I wasn't ready to let go of the story of, of I'm depressed. I wasn't ready to let go of that story, get off antidepressants. Like, oh, what, what happens? I mean, antidepressants, they sort of work. What happens if I get off? What happens if I jump out of this plane? Is this parachute going to open or not? And you go, well, at some point, maybe you got to jump out of the plane and, uh, and figure out if you can fly. Right. Yeah, I I related well with that man. I loved it. I love the fact that uh, you know, changing the definition and realizing that depression, quote unquote, as you said, uh, doesn't have to control us. Like we can we can take advantage. We can take it and and change our breathing, change our uh, energy levels, and and all that stuff. Um, you know, change change our diet, change yeah. our our, you know. You know, one of the things I hear a lot of times uh, when you're depressed, it's like, oh, you, you need to exercise. It's like, yeah, good luck. You know, you're, you're too depressed to do anything about it. But I've found that I can do things laying in bed. I can do different breathing techniques. I can just, I can pound on my chest. I can slap my arms. And yeah. you can start to wake up the chi, the, 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 the life force moving through your body. And, and so um, we've, 
we've come into a world now where we've dulled ourselves down so much. We eat all this processed food and we we're glued to our phones and we're glued to our computers. We're cut off from, from other human beings. And it's like, yeah, no, no wonder the levels of depression are going up. We, we've completely disconnected ourselves from, from nature. We've completely, and when I say nature, I don't just mean mother earth. I mean the, the nature of being a human. We've completely dis, disconnected from that because we've taken these conveniences of life and we've become docile because of that. And we take these conveniences and there's a trade-off and you don't even know what that trade-off is because you've never even thought about it because you were just born into this world. You yep. were born into this world where you have a bed and a house and you wear clothes, not, not having any idea of what it means to you know, have, your, have your bare feet on the ground and what that does and, 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 the, and the effects that that has on your body, just reconnecting with Mother Earth wearing clothes, which, which by means uh, your, your body has become weaker and less adept. You know, years ago, uh, you, you know, you were outside and that was it. You were in the elements, so your body adapted. But now our bodies are weaker because of it. And we have no idea about these things because we think our perspective is reality. And it's not. And uh, there's a lot of things that you can do to start to take care of yourself that don't involve putting a pill in your mouth or, you know, or, or going to a, a doctor, uh, you know, this, this is. We're just, yeah, we're, we're, we're in this world where we, we think that there's only one way to live and there's not. Mm-hmm. And I, I would challenge people, whatever they're struggling with in life to get out of the, you know, the, po- the point of view and the perspective they're in and go, okay, there is a solution to this problem. All, all things in this world are, have poles, right? To, to, every, to every problem, there is a solution. I mean, that is, that's, that's the law of nature. It's, um, and, and born into it, what you just said right there, being born into it. I, I, have, I have three daughters. Uh, one's three, so she's kind of a toddler still, but the others are 11 and 8. And they're glued to their, they're glued to their you know, the TV or they're glued to an iPad. And I have to kick them out of the house all the time. Like, I just say, get out and just go. And uh, so I definitely relate with that. Um, my wife is also a, a pharmacist. So I know uh, there's, there's a lot of times um, she'll suggest to myself, um, well, you're really anxious. You have uh, your anxiety is, is off the charts. I, I'm an anxious person sometimes. And uh, she, she'll suggest that I should get on something to deal with this. Um, I am of the belief that I don't need to and have to. I can find the way, like what you've been saying, but how would you uh, combat the people that, that do? Are, they're so rigid on, on, all right, you have anxiety, you have OCD, you have this, this, this. Uh, here you go. Here's your prescription. Take it. Well, well, look, you know, antidepressants held space for me for a very long yeah. time before I found myself capable of uh, and ha- having the will to to starting start to be responsible for my own health, and and that's a lot of what this comes down to, is being responsible for your own health. And look, the 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 I the way the um, you know, the pharmaceutical industry works, mm-hmm. it's not to heal you. It's to, it's to make you a customer. 
that's how the business works. Yep. And if you look how, you know, the, the pharmaceutical, you know, the, the business was, you know, sort of propagated in our uh, society, you know, about a hundred years ago, you, you start to see who you're putting your faith in and what you're putting your faith in. And, and you're going, well, you know, what are these things I'm putting in my body? Well, I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. But somebody else says they, 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 yeah. they, I should do. Who is this somebody else? Where, where are you putting your responsibility? Where are you going? Yeah, you know what? This guy over here says it's fine, so it's fine. And we do that all the time. We do that all the time in our lives is that we outsource knowledge to other people. And in doing that, we become susceptible to things. So I would suggest to, you know, to, to somebody who's, and look, not that there's not a space for, for pharmaceuticals, not that there's not a space, you know, in, entirely, but when you start to just do a, a you know some experimentation some research uh just you know uh with with your own body and see how your body works and going you know wh where is this anxiety coming from yeah. what is it telling you? uh you know i i did a, a, a two-part thing about anxiety in particular look you know one of the you know natural laws is that everything on this physical plane first starts from the mental plane so you have to start, start sort of start to realize that you know an anxiety does come from from here first now maybe it's on a, on a subconscious level yep. or maybe it's on a conscious level you know um anxiety can start from catastrophizing or you know worrying about the future excessively worrying about the future and just projecting all these things into the future and you go well i'm i'm the one whose mind it is, right? Yeah. And so I can start to learn to see when I'm catastrophizing, when I'm projecting and what these triggers are and, and start to go, okay, I'm starting to become aware of when these triggers are. And, and now I can develop and learn certain tools to bring myself back to center when, when the anxiety starts to happen, when this thing starts to show up, you go, okay, you know, this, this, you know, anxiety yeah. is happening. You know, that, that, that's what I'll, I'll say all the time. Uh, you know, oh, some judgment came up or some, uh, some, some anger came up. And you start, to, you start to look at it and you start to see, what is this thing trying to tell me? You know, what is, what is this anxiety? And you go, well, this is, well, because I'm, I'm worried about the future. I'm projecting out in the future. And you can start to, you know, use your reason and logic pretty quickly to go, well, worrying is never going to do anything for me. Worrying is 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 it's a waste. It's waste it, all, all it does is put stress on my body, and stress is terrible for your body, especially that kind of stress. You you, you activate your your sympathetic nervous system is basically what happens, which is basically this this false fight fight or flight response, false survival mode. And having that continuously going through your body creates a lot of stress. And what does stress create? Disease, yeah. dis ease. And so you want to ease the stress, ease the tension, right? And uh, and and so there there are different methods. I talked about you know there's a ton of breathing techniques, and people like sometimes look at the stuff or may, maybe they have it in their head. Oh, this this isn't enough. Oh, that that's not going to do the trick. Well, it's like breathing is our is the the, the thing that the, the this cycle that keeps us alive. And if people aren't starting to understand the importance of breathing and proper breathing and the way breathing can be harnessed. I mean, when I started doing this Wim Hof method, I was like, holy crap, yeah. I, can, I can do this for 
15 minutes and my body feels like I'm having a, like a whole body orgasm. Like what is going on here? Yeah. What is this thing that's happening where I can hold my breath for three minutes after, after exhaling? Oh, cause I'm oxygenating the, the blood in my body. So my body doesn't need this oxygen uh, right away. And you go, what, like, how much can I do yeah. through, through just breathing? And just, you know, one of the basic principles I went over in, uh, in, in the video is just, if you exhale longer than you inhale, it starts to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is, which is your, the, the system that, that calms you down. Uh, and, and basically tells your, your brain like, hey, I'm out of danger, which is basically what what um, what anxiety is. It's your it's your it's your mind, yeah. you know, creating a, a physiological response that that you're somehow in danger and going, OK. And so it just a lot of it is, is, is levels of awareness is, is start to be aware when it's when it's happening. And sometimes you'll be aware, oh, you know, anxiety is happening. Uh, but you can't do anything about, it, or you feel like you can't do anything about it. And so you just, you, you feed into it. But then the next time maybe you go, Oh, anxiety is happening. Okay. Now what, what am I supposed to do? Okay. If I can go, I'm going to go by myself. I'm going to do this breath work and you do it for, you know, one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Like who cares? You can take as long as you want. It's your, yeah. it's your life. It's your health. Um, you're, you're, you know, you're not, you know, this, this is what, what, uh, you know, this is what you're called to do, I guess. Yeah. And, and then, and then you can start to have that awareness before it happens. You start to go, oh, I'm in a situation right now where anxiety sometimes comes up. Let me be aware of that. And then you can start to cut it off at the pass. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I like to do is um, prepare myself. You know, sometimes if I'm going to like a, a thing in situations where I know that I've gotten upset before, I go, hey, you know. Some, somebody might say something that you disagree with. It's nothing personal. You don't have to respond to it with anger and responding to it with anger isn't going to help anything. What will respond to it, what will help is just being calm and cool and rational. And I prepare. And then when I go into the situation and something happens, I can sit back and go, oh, okay, you know, this, this is the point where I might've experienced anger before, but not now. So there, like, there's, there's so many ways to do it, but it, it takes work, and uh, you know I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm as much as I apologize for going on this rant, but I'm not. I'm not sorry. Don't be sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, because that's part of the, you know, one of these awful symptoms that that is, is going on nowadays is that people don't want to do the work. They want to say, hey, let me let me take a pill for something, and then it'll all be better. Yeah. And and it's not just with our, you know anxiety and depression and, and things like that. And this isn't to disparage anybody that, that takes that route. It's like, whatever you do, it's like that, if that works for you, that's fine. But there's, but just know there's also other ways. And this, this, this easy access, this instant gratification generation that we live in, it's, it's pervasive everywhere. You know, all, all knowledge basically is at the tip of our fingertips and you just you just go you go oh this is you know <laughs> you is. don't you don't have to work for any knowledge yep. yep and you see it in in our in our society today where people don't want to do the work to make the change in the world that 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 they want it's like oh god you know I I don't want to get too political like because I I, just, I think it's it's an utter waste of time I saw a tweet by you know uh, Joe Biden today saying you know. Uh, me and Kamala Harris are going to work every second to make sure, you know, you're to improve your lives. Yeah. And, and look, I, I don't support either candidate, yeah. uh, but I read that and I go, 
what? <laughs> since, when, since when is it, since when's the president's responsibility to make my life better and everybody else's life better? Yeah. It's like, to, to me, it's like, get out of the way so people can do the work for themselves. That's, that's, you know, but, but that, that paradigm is just, is just lost because we go, hey, fix it. Hey, let, let me, it's literally, you go in a voting booth, what do you like press a button or mark something <laughs> off? Yeah. yeah, And then it's like, all right, great. Now you, you fix the problem. It's like, no, that's not how problems are fixed. You know, problems are fixed yeah. by each person, you know, doing the work developing the responsibility for their lives. And then once they've started to develop the responsibility for their lives, they can start to take on a, on a greater load. And, and, and so, um, and this is, again, this isn't disparage anybody. Like yep. I, I have these, these habits too, that I just, I, sometimes I want things right away. I go out on my Uber Eats and I press a button and people just hand me food as opposed to, you know, what does it mean to take care of yourself? What does it mean? You know, I, I, I'm starting a garden. It's not going very well, <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out what does it mean to, to live in communion with, with, with Mother Earth, grow my own food, and then prepare my own food. Like, what am I missing out on? I don't even know because I got handed this system, which is, you know, it's like, great, we live like kings. I press a button and people deliver me whatever food I want at whatever hour, hour I want. But you go, what's the trade-off? What, what, did, what did you trade off? What did you hand off? What did you give up by, by outsourcing the responsibility of your food yeah. to somebody else? And I don't have that answer, um, but I'm just starting to see that, that that's the frame of everything, that we've, we've made this deal to, to have convenience in our life and we don't know what, you know, what this deal is. You know, we don't know what we've given up. Yeah. Well, that, that, was, that was phenomenal. And I, I feel... I feel we could talk. I was just gonna. Yeah. He said gardening, and yeah. I was, I was, I was in because I we have our little garden and stuff. So what, what are you growing? Uh, so I, I had a, a round of, of seeds that I planted uh, like maybe two months ago, and like nothing came <laughs> up. So, then I was like, well, let me do a little bit of research, and uh, and so I saw what sort of plants to to grow in Arizona around this time. And so I tried with like lettuce, uh, I think radishes, carrots, and peas, and yeah. it's been a couple weeks. Uh, and I've got three pea uh, sprouts coming up. That's it. Not nothing else on the other plants, but I've got three little tiny little green things coming out. I'm like, all right, something. Yeah. Lettuce takes forever. I'll just tell you that. And lettuce likes cold. So if you have like a cold spot in your house anywhere, lettuce likes cold. Yeah, well, outside in Arizona, it is, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not cold. cold. No, it's, yeah, for sure. It told me on the internet that uh, you could grow lettuce around mid, uh, mid-September. But, uh, you know, but that's the thing. You have to experiment with these things for yourself and, and you know, start to get insights from, I called Brian Danielson. He didn't call me back. I was like, yo, I, I got a gardening question, bro. Because he lives, he lives around yeah. here and loves to garden. And, uh, but yeah, you, you got to start to figure these things out for yourself and look at different resources and, you know, not just with gardening, but with, with, with everything. And that's, I mean, and maybe, you know, as I rant about this, a lot of this is just me talking about me. Yeah. Because this is what I realized about myself is that I had outsourced so much to other people, you know, by way of, 
of, of goods and services and information and knowledge. And now that I've seen it in myself, now I just, I see it everywhere. I go, oh, we're, it's like, we're all, it's like, it's like, we're all just children and we want mommy and daddy to, to make things better for us. And it, it's, and, I, and now that I see it that way, I, it's, it's hard to unsee it. It's hard to unsee when, when somebody wants, you know, the government to make something better, uh, that that's anything but like a child throwing a temper tantrum and going, yeah. come on, mom, yeah. you know, make sure, make sure we're all healthy. It's yeah. like, you know, what about making sure you're healthy? What about that now that you're a grown up? And, um, you know, not, not, not to say that government has no role or whatever, but yeah. just, it, that's, this is just where I'm at in my journey right now. So it's, you, know, it, you, you caught me on, on in, in this month where I'm like, yeah, we need to grow up and take care of <laughs> It's like uh, insulating yourself with a bunch of yes people. Like, yes, sir. Yes, man. Yes. So all my ideas that I say out are yes, yes, yes. And, and, uh, you know, everyone's agreeing with me and, uh, and, and I'm outsourcing everything and, and give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're in a culture where we're basically enabled to uh, not know anything. Yeah, and not not need to do anything. Yeah. And look, there's some benefits to that. You can you can specialize in very uh, like sort of obscure esoteric things. Like, look, I've I've made a living, you know, being a pro wrestler and writing wrestling TV. Yeah. It's like amazing. Like, I I have this very specific skill, and somebody pays me for it, whatever. But that what I what I see now is like there we're not teaching people. The, the foundational stuff, yeah. like just how to survive, yeah. like how to, how to live just in, in a very basic manner. I, it really was a wake up call as everything was starting to go down where I go, if something really happened, I'd be screwed. I have no, I have no idea how to do, I wouldn't last a day out in, in the world. You know, I, without my air conditioning, without my house, without my, without my phone, without just, without everybody doing everything else for me and me just handing them, you know, made up fiat currency and, um, and going, okay, well, what, what does it mean to start to take care of myself and to be able to at least be able to, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just self-sufficient fend, fend for myself. Yeah. Just there to be go. able to fend for myself. And, uh, and, yeah, it was, it was not, it was not pretty when I saw it. I go, wow, I am really out of balance. I'm, I'm so out of balance that I'm not saying I need to go and live on a self-sustaining homestead. Although I've looked at those, man. And, and <laughs> so yeah. have I, so have I. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What about this? What about getting uh, out of this, out of this system where they, you know, take whatever, 30 or 40% of your, your income just cause, and like, we never signed a deal that said, Hey, you can have my, my income, you know, this percentage of it, you know, we, we, we never signed these deals. You go, how is that? How does that work? Then? How does it work that everything is taxed and I haven't made this agreement? You know, you go, well, you, you use, you use the stuff in the, the you know, the, the services they provide, you go, yes, some of them, you know, a lot, most of them not. And you go, all right, well, how, how do I, how do I get out of playing this game? How do I get out of playing the game of, of, um, 
you know, being subservient and re reliant, really reliant on the system and reliance really breeds subjugation. You go, they got you by the balls, right? Yeah. And that's, and we saw that. We saw that over the past few months where this system has people by the balls and, and they go, oh, well, because they're telling us stuff, we have to do it. And so many people have lost their jobs. So many people are in, are in very rough situations. You go, yeah, I don't know about this camp. I don't know yeah. if I like it. Yeah, tell me about it. I, I, I'm not I'm not working anymore, but that's my choice. I'm staying home with with the kids. Uh, oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, man. It's 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 the way it works. Um, but I mean, we could talk about mental health all day on this show. I I would love it. That, that's mental another... health, you know, politics, survival. Here I am. Man. Yeah, that's a whole another show. But I I do I would be remiss if I if I didn't talk about your creative aspect. Your and it comes through the. The screen, the zoom is just coming through your your creative mind. Um, you you you're writing right now and uh, producing for Impact, but uh, you were in the WWE in uh, I think it was 2015, um, around that time. But you were the mastermind and the creator of one of the the greatest things that I've seen recently, and that's the list with with Jericho and Owens and that whole that whole uh, you know storyline. How, how does the list come about and did it take a life of its own? Yeah. So the, it, it was a blast working with Kevin and Chris, you know, both, uh, you know, super creative guys as well. And collaborating with them was, was such a pleasure. And, you know, Kevin is you know, one of my closest friends. And so that, you know, I didn't know Chris going into uh, WWE, but uh, we ended up getting on real well. The list came uh, about, we were doing a segment in, it was in Memphis, Tennessee uh, and I think this was like fall of 16, I think. And Chris was going to come out and uh, air his grievances about <laughs> Commissioner McFoley. Yeah. And I just go, well, if he's going to air his grievances, he should have a list. And, and then it, um, Steve Carino in real life yeah. has the Carino shit list where he's got, you know, people that get on his shit list. And, and so I go, what if Chris had this list of people who got on his bad side, but he's so petty that he just like puts people on this list for the, just like the most ridiculous stuff. And at that time he'd been doing, you know, the, you know, the gift to Jericho, drink it in, man. It in, I go, man. what if we call this the list of Jericho? Yeah. And I, I came up with it. I was like, man, this is, I think we can do so much with this. And I pitched it to Chris and he got it right away. And, I had pictured the list being like a crumpled up piece of paper. He would keep in his tights and he'd like pull it out. And, and he came up with the idea of it being this, this, this uh, clipboard that it, it was very visual and we could see. And he came up with, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that really brought it to light. You know, he would he'd grab his pen. You know what happens? Huh? Yeah. You know what happens yeah. when you make fun of my best friend, Kevin Owens? And man, what a fun thing that it did take out a life. It's not, it was the most, uh, it was, it was, you know, the most, uh, maybe the most over thing for, for a time there. Yeah. Um, certainly the most fan uh, engagement or interaction. I mean, the people really dug it. I mean, it got to the point where he would, he would whip out that pen and people just would go nuts. It got so over, you know, as a heel, he, Chris had to change it where he would, he would be like, Oh, you know what happens? Uh, Roman Reigns, you know what happens? What? Do you think you're going to make the list? No, no, you don't deserve <laughs> to make the list. And, and then he became a baby face. Yeah. And they would, they would end the house shows 
with you know, with a Chris Jericho match. And then at the end of the after the match, Chris would get on the microphone. He would he would put that the whole city and you know you yeah. know you know what happens, Phoenix. You know what happens. You know when you when you cheer for Chris Jericho, you just made the list. Ah! And then you then they send him home happy. That was it. Like that. Like you end with the biggest fucking pop of the night, and and that, that was it. So yeah, it was a blast, man. Um, I'm of the belief during that time that the Owens Jericho, uh, storyline. I believe Owens was the champion at that time. Uh, I I thought it should have main evented WrestleMania that year. Yeah, you know that that was definitely an option, and that's probably it's hard to say that was that was on my WrestleMania okay. uh, lineup. You know, when all the writers have to like write a what they want WrestleMania to look like. That was my that was my uh, world title or Universal title match for for WrestleMania. But you know, a, a, as is such in in WWE. Um, you know, Brock Lesnar, you know, yeah. Vince just loved Brock. And so it was kind of like whatever Brock wanted would happen. And I look, I get the the marquee behind doing Brock and uh, Goldberg for, for the universal title. I mean, that's, you know, who would have ever thought that that would happen again? Uh, and and they, they had a good match too. You know, you didn't know that that was going to be awful or not. Right. You know, when right. Kevin dropped the title to Goldberg the month before, it was just spear jackhammer finish, yeah. and that and when Goldberg had had won the title, it was just like spear jackhammer, spear spear jackhammer finish, something like that. And because nobody knew if Goldberg could do anything, and Kevin like really wanted to have like a proper match with Goldberg, at least like a two minute match with Goldberg. Yeah. But I, I don't think they wanted to risk uh, exposing him, Goldberg. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, but it turned out he, you know, him and him and uh, him and Lesnar had a great match, and uh, Chris and Kevin had the, I believe, the uh, United States Championship, I think, for for their yeah. story. Is yep. that yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Um, when you're when you're applying to to be a a writer on on the creative team at WWE, uh, do you have to give a sample, like a sample work? Like I know if if you're going to, you know. For any job writing, you got to give a sample work, right? Like, like yeah, you know, I I went through a, a, a hiring process or you know a process just like like anybody else. Um, you know, I gave them my resume for whatever that is, like you know, IWA Mid South World Champion. Uh, but you know, whatever my actual resume, I'm, I am a college graduate, yeah. and uh, you know, I guess worked in in TV on, on some level for for years. And yeah, uh, I had a in a phone interview and a a sample the the sample i had to do it wasn't like pen to paper writing per se it was this was february of 2015 and so the uh it was like fast break or something whatever that oh fast lane fast lane yeah there you go uh that that pay-per-view was just about to happen so my assignment was to uh, basically go from fast lane to WrestleMania, like pick my top five WrestleMania matches and just kind of show the stories and the route to get there. And, uh, and then the, the raw after or something like that. I think. Nice. Nice. Who was going to main event your WrestleMania? Um, well, we already knew that Lesnar and Roman, Roman Reigns. Yep. Was, that was already set as the main event of WrestleMania. Okay. The way I had it 
was, uh, I think it was Lesnar, it was Lesnar over. And then I had had a story with Lesnar and Dean Ambrose going into WrestleMania, right? And so afterwards, uh, Dean Ambrose comes out, attacks uh, Lesnar, and then Seth Rollins comes out with his money in the bank. Oh, and, cashes in. and the three of them give uh, give Lesnar the 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 whatever the, triple the shield yeah. triple yeah. power bomb. Uh, Seth wins one, two, three, and you go and you leave WrestleMania with this holy shit moment. Like, did we just see a Shield reunion? Uh, but you know, it turns out we don't, and no. whatever follow up for it but you get you had you had the you know roman being upset because he lost you had uh dean ambrose upset because lesnar had like stretcher jobbed him a couple weeks before that you have seth who has the main bank so the the enemy of my enemy is my friend yeah. or something like that yeah the enemy of my friend so all three of them have this fucking holy holy shit moment and you go off with the sort of you yeah. know cliffhanger right and, uh, like so. they're together but are they together now like what just yeah. happened you know I like that. Um, let's jump to what you're doing now. You're, you're with Impact. You're, you're writing and producing. You're, you, you host the – I watch my Impact Wrestling on Twitch. I don't have access. And you do a show uh, after, uh, after the show is live. You do it with, with Don Callis. And I, I, I'm sorry, but I forget the name of it. It's called – Aftershock. Thank you. Aftershock. I knew it was something of that nature. Um, is is Impact the the best company that nobody knows about right now? Because I feel it is. I mean, to, to to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, look, the, the competition is really stiff out there. You know, yeah. AEW is doing their thing, and they've got such a large platform. I think we've done a really good job in the last, you know, almost three years now, two and a half years. Um, you know, you know when I, when I came on board in the end of 2017 and going into 2018, you know when when uh, Scott Demore took over and brought in Don Callis, I think a lot of the goal was just to, especially that first year, to make, uh, you know, T- TNA had such a a stink on it. There's so much damage to the brand, yep. and just making the show a a show that's not embarrassing to watch. Oh. Something where you go, yeah, man, you can watch it and feel good about it. And I think we've gone from that to, um, I don't think anybody else tells the week to week cohesive stories that we do. You know, WWE, it's all about what happens tonight and that's it. What happened last week doesn't matter. What happens, you know, it's just like, it's Vince is a promoter. That's what you have to understand about, about Vince. It's like when you go, oh, this didn't make sense from this week, this week, you go, it's like, because Vince isn't a TV writer. He's a promoter. And it's all about what can I put on the bill tonight that's going to get people to watch right now, like bang. And so that's what WWE is. So it's not, uh, it's not about uh, sort of long-term cohesive storytelling. Uh, you know, I, I haven't seen a ton of AEW. watched a little bit of it when it first came out. But, you know, what I saw when it, when it first came out was just a lot of in-arena stuff. Yep. And that's fine. You know, I, I get that. If you want that to be your brand. It's like wrestling. Um, but Impact um, has good in-ring action, uh, you know, with, with all these talented in-ring performers, but also good, uh, you know, cohesive, you know, interesting, I think, storytelling. 
week to week and done in different manners, you know, done, not everything isn't just in the ring. We do cinematic stuff. We do a lot of backstage stuff and just a lot of stories that are just, you know, some of them are fun and some of them are dark and have supernatural stuff. And some of them are, you know, gangs fighting in the streets. And, you know, some of it is a, a blood feud in the ring or who's the best wrestler in the ring and all sorts of stuff. We just did Wrestle House, which yep. was, you know, 12 wrestlers, uh, you know, trapped in a house together, reality show style, and they would settle their differences in the ring. Um, and, and so things like that. So there's a lot of different avenues for storytelling that will that will take. You get a little bit of something. It's a good three ring circus, I think. And I think the performers are really good. And credit to Don and and Scott for um, you know having the the consistency to uh, you know to tell to tell proper stories on, on the show and to bring you know. The, the, the company from being something that was an embarrassment. Yeah. You know, well, the, fir the first show I came in at, we were still finishing up Jeff Jarrett's stories and, um, and some of them were not good. They were not, they were, it was not good. It was not good stuff. And, and, and so, you know, we, they were doing like this, like MMA versus pro wrestling story, which did not seem to click it, to me. Is there ever um, a thought that just like, so you come in and you have, Jeff Jarrett's stories that you got to finish up. Is there ever a thought to just tear all that up and just be like, look, here's what happened. Boom. We're going to blow it up and we're, we're starting over. Well, no, you know, that, like, so when I came in, it was uh, bound for glory, 2017. So Jeff's stories were already like, okay, almost they done. were basically finishing yeah. up. Yeah. And then the, the next, whatever X amount of weeks of TVs were, were, I, I think also his. And then we started, um, you know, the first creative uh, in the creative process that I was a part of. I was a, I was I was producing on, on the other shows and and on on air performing, but uh, not 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 writing TV. That started with the tapings that were in January of 2018. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's a matter of of, of blowing it up and, and ripping up the script. I mean, that you know, Vince Russo was sort of famous for doing that yeah. in WCW, yeah. you know, having these resets. Or whatever I think it takes a little more, um, you know, ingenuity and creativity to go. Okay, how do how do we transition from here? How do we not insult the fans' intelligence from from here to here? How do how do we take them from from this one thing and and have it flow in to this this other thing? And uh, and, and that's what we tried to do. Yeah, that's great. It's I love everything with Impact right now, and I know uh, everybody always rants and raves, and they should because the ladies on NXT, the ladies up on the main rosters of Raw and and, and and SmackDown, they're great. They're great people, but you can't overlook. To me, you cannot overlook the women wrestlers in Impact right now. I I think it's one of the strongest divisions not only you guys have but women wrestling across the board and uh it's just it's all great stuff over there right now it's, yeah thanks man yeah. yeah i'm really i'm really happy with the roster we have right now and you know credit to anthem which owns impact for yeah. investing in the product as yeah. well you know when i first came in there the the roster nothing against the guys yeah. there, there were there were some there was some good talent there but it was so depleted. Well, I think when I came there, there was literally two tag teams. It was it was LAX yeah. and OVE, and that was it. Right. 
and there was maybe like five or six knockouts there. That was it. And now we've got like, I think like 13 knockouts yeah. and you got, you know, Kylie Ray, which was a huge get for us. I think she's mega talented, both her character and as an in-ring performer. Deanna Perrazzo is our, our current knockouts champion. Uh, yeah, one of them, Grace, who did, did amazing. We took it from um, uh, uh, Taya Valkyrie, who really came into her own during like a year-long uh, title run. I mean, her character is just amazing. Yeah. And she does stuff with Rosemary. And then you have, you know, um, you know, Kiera Hogan, who, who teams with Tasha Steeles. And, you know, I think Kiera is a star as well. And so, you know, and then, you know, not, not to leave out the other ones, but I think it's yeah. just a, it's a really uh, solid uh, roster. I'm happy to get, get to work with them. Yeah. It's, it's all great stuff over there, man. I, I, I love my impact. Um, but anyways, uh, Mr. Jacobs, what we like to do at the end of every show, I, I feel like we could go all literally all night. Um, I mean, I didn't even scratch the surface on my notes, but what I like to do <laughs> at the end of every show is um, I, I hand the mic over to my guest. It's your, it's your show now. You have the platform. You can say anything you want, bury anything you want. You can do whatever you want. I will not interrupt you, sir. Go ahead. Oh, jeez. You know, I, I guess if, if I have something to say to people right now, you know, I'm in this transition phase in my life where, you know, I, I got back on social media. I took a seven month break because uh, it was just, you know, consuming my life. Not just, it was as, to, as the time sucked, right? Yep. And I got back on because I was called to share some of my experiences with people. And I spent the last three years really working on, you know, um, on, you know, self development, self-discovery, that sort of thing. And so I'm, I'm really called to try to share some of those tools with people. Um, there's so much, my journey inwards has been so much more exciting and rewarding than my journey in pro wrestling, the journey of self-discovery, the journey of yeah. self-improvement. And I think I would recommend to anybody to go down that road, you know, we all have this unnecessary suffering in our life and we don't know why. And if you never do the work to figure out why the suffering will continue, uh, just, and it, and it will, because whether you know it or not, your subconscious runs the show, hmm. right? And if you don't know it, it definitely runs the show. Uh, and so we create these patterns in our life that is pulled by this invisible string called the unconscious. And unless you bring light to that, uh, it will continue to hold power. So the greatest thing you can do for this world is to work on yourself, is to become the best version of you you can be. And that takes work. And it's unpleasant. That's unpleasant to unpack a lot of stuff. And much like cleaning a house, uh, it, gets, it gets messier before it gets cleaner. But the work has been so gratifying. So if anybody wants to share in that experience with me, uh, I'm on social media, Twitter, at Jimmy Jacobs X, as well as uh, Instagram. And I don't know, uh, when, when is this going to air? Well, we're live now on Twitch. Oh, we're live now. Yeah. We're live right. now on Twitch, and we'll push it out to YouTube. Uh, <laughs> whatever the time allows me tomorrow, I'll get it out on YouTube. All right, so uh, on, on Sunday, tomorrow, um, uh, September 13th, yeah. at 6 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to do an Instagram uh, live 
for people that that want to to come and uh, get support with some issues that are going on in their life and whatever support I can be uh, to them, uh, whatever tools and, and knowledge I can I can pass on that has been beneficial to me, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on to those people. Uh, and and yeah, man, I think our our world, you know, it it doesn't. You don't need to look far to see that there's a lot of things that are a mess. Yeah, you know, and there's sort of two trains of thought. You can say, hey, well, that, that mess is somebody else's responsibility and I'm going to vote somebody in and they're going to clean up the mess. Mm. Or you can say, well, this, this mess is all our messes and I'm going to try to take as much responsibility as I can for whatever, whatever your passion is. And I see a lot of people that are passionate about a lot of things. Yeah. And you can go in the streets and you can yell about it and that's that's fine and that's one way to do it and or you can you can go how can i be of service to people how can you know if you're uh if you're concerned about people that are less fortunate you go how you know what what skill set do i have that i can help empower those people to to better their lives and if you don't have a skill set you go well, I, don't, I don't i don't know i don't i don't have the skill set i don't I don't have resources. You go, well, yeah, that's why you get your life together. So you can get those resources and you can get that knowledge and you can pass that knowledge on and you can, you know, wh whatever your passion is. It's if, if, if your passion is, oh, yeah, there's global warming happening and, well, the, the, they, got, they got to make regulations about it. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. So, well, if you leave it up to somebody else, right. you know, guess what? You're just, you're just going to roll the dice. But if you want to be the person you go, well, what does it mean to live in communion with mother earth how do i do that how how do i how do i you know put my money where my mouth is how do i how do i walk like i talk you know and that, that's what i'm trying to figure out in my life right yeah. now this isn't me saying I'm, I'm better than anybody else i'm trying to figure out that's why i'm doing you know uh, this this stuff on social media to, to pass on whatever whatever i have to be of support of people but you go how do i live in communion with mother earth how do i stop supporting the the the, the corporations that are that are damaging her you know, how, how do I do that? How do I, how do I become a living embodiment of the change that I want to see in this world? How do I become an example of it? And then I, once I'm an example, I can be a leader for it. And, and that's what I think our lives are all about. Yeah. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm seeing it more and more clearly that as we outsource responsibility to other people, we are in, in corporations and, and the government. We are making a deal with the devil going, yeah, you, 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 you take care of it because I like this convenience I have in my life. Or you can take the power back from your life. You can stop giving power to other things, other, other people in your life, whether people think of you, your past, all, all this sort of stuff. You can take back this power and with that power comes responsibility and you can bear the load of responsibility for being the change you want to see in this world and that's that's what i feel passionately about and right now my role in it is just to go hey um if you're if you're struggling with anxiety here's some tools to work through with that if you know you don't know how to manage your emotions here's some tools to work through that if you get triggered by th this or that here's how to work through that you know i think one of the most important things people uh, can can learn is to not be um basically triggered by things and and understand that the external world 
does not cause you to feel emotions, only your perception of it does. And, and, and thus, you know, like, I, like I've eliminated this language from, from my uh, vocabulary, you know, people say things like, you made me mad. It's like, yeah. no, you didn't. You didn't make me anything. As much as I would love to, yeah. to, to control somebody else's emotions, I actually don't have the, the, the capability to do that. You can allow me to. When you say, you made me mad, what you're doing is you're handing me the, the strings to you. And you're going, my emotions are, are going to, are, are, are you just going to play me like a puppet. So whatever you do, if you say these words, I'm going to get angry. And when I'm angry, then I'm going to act out of that anger. And, and, and understanding how uh, destructive it is to act out of your emotions and to be triggered to, it, like, it's okay to be triggered by something, but when then you, then you act out of that emotion, then you are letting other people pull your strings and understand that that's going on in, in, in your lives probably a lot, yeah. that, that happens a lot in your lives, yeah. not just from a personal level, but it happens from a larger level and we see it all the time. We see it from, from our media that, that they use fear in order to, to have us go, oh man, this is dangerous. You know, this is, you know, you know people flew towers into the, you know, flew planes in the, into the Twin Towers, we, we better, we, we better, you know, give, give up our rights. You know, oh, there, there's a virus going on. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll close our businesses. We'll stay inside. We'll put on a mask. And look, I'm not talking leg legitimacy or illegitimacy of, of those things. I'm only talking about the fear and then the, 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 the fear response that that induces and then acting out of that fear. It's okay to see something and go, all right, this, this, this is bad. This is dangerous. Now, how do I use reason, use discernment mm. to move forward as opposed to acting out of that emotional space. And you start to see that our emotions are manipulated constantly. Anytime there's something on the TV or internet that tells me why I should be angry or why I should be afraid or why I should be you know, mad at somebody else, I go, you know, <laughs> red flag right there. Yeah. Like I, I'm not playing that game. I'm not playing the game of uh, you, you tell me how to feel. And once you start to see that that's the game and, and that is the game, that's all you see it. You see it, oh great. It's like, you, I, I can't see these headlines without going, oh, you're just telling me how to feel. That's, that's all that's going on here. Great, okay, now, now, I, know, now I know who to listen to and, and, and what not to listen to and starting to use, use my discernment and going, okay, that's, that's one perspective. Here's another perspective. Here's another perspective. Here's another perspective. Here's another perspective. You know, how do I, uh, you know, do my own research and use my own knowledge, and then use just act out of discernment as opposed to uh, acting out of the emotion that was that was uh, propagated yep. by these yep. things around me. And that happens all the time. And so I feel it's so important that people uh, need to learn to manage their emotions. And that's just something I'm trying to do. And so these are my tangents, these are my rants, but you said I get to say what I want. Yes, that's, that's right. I did. <laughs> I love tangents. I love, I love tangents. I get on them all the time. And, and that was right. That was your forum and it was great. Uh, Jimmy Jacobs, man, I, I didn't even scratch the surface. I, we could do this all night. I, I, I would love to have you back, man. I, I love your passion. Uh, your beliefs, your thoughts, your, and your creativity in the wrestling business. I mean, 
besides everything else, man, is great. I just want to say thank you for coming on tonight. Thank you for giving us the time. And uh, it, it, it's been it's been a pleasure, man. So thank you. Yeah, man. Thank, thank you for having me. And, and just let me say that this was one last final thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. just understand that if, you know, anybody that might have heard what I said and maybe disagreed with it, maybe they got angry over it or experienced anger over it or something like that, just understand that I just have a perspective and I'm probably, yeah. you know, wrong in a lot of what I, what I, what I see things as is just my current perspective. And ultimately what I want is the best thing for everybody. Yeah. And this is just my point of view. So if, if you're listening and you go, oh, that was bullshit what he said, um, that's okay. Yep. You know, it, it might have been bullshit what I said. Uh, uh, don't take it as, a, an, as an attack on you. It's not. If you want the best for everybody, then you and I want the same thing. We're not on different teams. We're on the same team, just looking at it from a different perspective. And I just, I really believe we need to start to see other people in that light, in the light of, hey, man, we're, we're actually – most people want the best for everybody and we're just looking at it from different point of views and stop fighting against each other and seeing, Hey, we're just on the same team looking at it from a different angle. That's it. That's all. Awesome. 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 Thank you very much. Um, and, and yeah, you you have car blanche, man. You can come on anytime. Have yourself a great night. Cool. Thanks guys. Yeah. Later. That was awesome. Uh, this guy is called the Standing Streamer.